there, I'm Kimberly Hayes-Demuga. And I'm Amanda Day. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Season 2 of the Fundraising Heyday Podcast. We are a dynamic duo bringing you insight and knowledge into the ever-evolving world of grants, development, and fundraising. Full disclosure, we're Southern. Mm-hmm. You may hear a y'all. Maybe. It happens. This podcast is brought to you by Season 2 sponsor, D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. Don't let grants stress you out. Their team can help you with grant readiness and training, grant research, grant writing, and grant mock review. Visit their website, www.dhleonardconsulting.com to learn more. So we are super excited to have Diane Leonard, owner of D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services, joining us today. Yep. D.H. Leonard Consulting is our season two sponsor. Yay! Helping to make fundraising heyday even better than ever. She is a longtime supporter of this podcast, as well as a longtime supporter of Amanda and myself. She often talks about being agile and using Scrum, that's S-C-R-U-M, to do twice the work in half the time. So, Diane, please introduce yourself and share with us a little about how you got into the grant field to begin with. Sure. This is so much fun. First, thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Ah, I, yes, you're right. I love, love, love fundraising heyday. And so to be here with you, sure, happy to tell the world a little bit about my story. The two of you know me and my favorite books. So, But for everyone else, uh, Diane Leonard, right? President of D.H. <laughs> Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services, lover of all things grants. Um, my winding path is actually that I started as a grant maker, and so I was giving away grants, helping the boards make decisions and recommendations, working with grantees, and I thought to myself, geez, I wish I could help these organizations do this in a more efficient way, a more effective way to understand how important relationship building was, not just their writing. So I had this idea that I'd start a consulting business to do that. Uh, that was almost 14 years ago, and, wow. you know, a handful of million dollars later, <laughs> we've got <laughs> folks that we're working with around the country. And so now it's really thinking about uh, not burning out and balancing all the fun things we do in our grant writing work, which for me, those that know me, they know that it means running and drinking coffee. Although never together, it'd be disastrous. And people Ooh. throughout <laughs> the Thousand Islands would laugh at me like, what's she doing today? Running and drinking running coffee. Running with coffee. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Diane, I first learned about this thing called Scrum at the 2018 Grant Professionals Association Conference, which is when you presented a workshop about it. And I'll admit, at the beginning, it sounded a little bit overwhelming to me. So I'm curious, how did you first learn about it? And what about it caught your attention as a way to better write grant proposals and meet multiple grant-related deadlines? Well, as with all good stories in our little circle, it started with a book. And in this case, it started with my spouse, who prefers not to read the hard copy of a book, but to listen to anything on Audible. And so we were going on a family vacation, and we were debating what we were going to listen to. Fiction, some sort of nonfiction, where were we headed? And he said, you know, I've really been wanting to try this book, Scrum, The Art of Doing Twice the Work in Half the Time. 
And I think he, at this point in our marriage, understood the type A that he had married. And I was like, what? Yes. All the way from the Thousand Islands to North Carolina to listen to this. And then the conversation, we'd walk up and down the beach and like, what did we think? What were we doing? He's an engineer. Let's say that up front. So he automatically saw what it was. Um, But I thought, yeah, okay, personally, more work in less time. Cool. Better life, work balance. And I can see how I think this might work. So it's been quite the path since then, but it really came down to what was going to be just entertainment for a really long car ride with the family. It makes me laugh that your entertainment is a book about learning for, I mean, I think that's fabulous as a grant pro and an engineer, but um, I will tell you, my husband's also an audio listener and our latest road trip, he has been going through, I think it's volume three of five volumes about the life and times of President Lyndon B. Johnson. Oh, wait. (laughs) No, I think my husband listened to that same book. I am convinced that they somehow are related. That is nuts. Anyway, <laughs> and also I will have to say that um, Diane, your story it made me think: is is this like the Type A version, relationship version of the Notebook? You know that really <laughs> heart tugging. I was like, we're walking on the beach and we're talking about productivity, and I'm like, was it raining? Did you leap into? <laughs> if his you're arms? a bird, I'm a bird. Oh yes. If you're a scrummer, I'm a scrummer. <laughs> oh, love right there. I nice. Love it. That is that is really that's cool. So well, we probably shouldn't talk then about how our family has adopted. Scrum and how honestly, my daughters, they're rock stars. They should be certified scrum masters and product owners. They have posted in their room. Like it's how they love to run their things. It's yep, family drank the Kool-Aid. You're creating little Diane Leonards and I love it. Oh wow. (laughs) Yes, you're replicating. (gasps) Wow. That is phenomenal. Boy, when I was a little girl, I had like uh Okay, this was a while back. Black, black, <laughs> shut up. Shut up. Shut up, Amanda. <laughs> shut up, Amanda. Um, I had black velvet posters on my walls of horses. Oh, see, when you said black velvet, I'm like, Alana Miles, the song. Black velvet. <laughs> no. Although we'll sing that later. Or actually, as a fundraiser for our podcast, we'll start a um, karaoke. GoFundMe, like we won't sing if you send in money. So like anyway, it. but I okay. digress. So getting back to the importance we're of clearly strong. not doing twice the work and half the time no but we're our having podcast. twice the fun and <laughs> half the podcast so so in the past at well and currently too i have used grants as an organizational development tool in the real world and uh, obviously in my ideal world everyone would have their act together completely before we ever started the grant it would know all their objectives and their budget and their this and that but sometimes that doesn't happen so I have found myself accepting the reality of working with certain clients or certain employers and going, okay, this is where we are. So using grants as an organizational development tool, um, is there a way that Scrum could work in this same type of process for actually getting grants out the door in the real world, which is where you live and work as well? Yeah, absolutely. So when we think about uh, the different tools that we're using within Scrum, the idea is that there's these short-term sprints. So you're looking at iterations, um, maybe 
between one to four weeks of how you're doing your work. And so the idea is that you set short-term goals as a team towards longer-term goals, right? And if we're thinking about a grant application, let's pick on a, a federal grant, something monstrous, right? Oh, yeah. So just, just a little something to uh-huh. take care of. So if you're thinking about, oh, we're pre-planning for it because it's forecasted and okay, so we've got to get all our, let's get our logic model laid out. Let's get maybe a draft work plan. Uh, let's grab our collaborative partners, maybe start to frame out our MOU. And then, oh, it's going to open. What do we really have to do to get it across the finish line? And can we get all that done? What are all the the pieces, the items in our, we call it a product backlog. So what's in the backlog that has to get done for us to meet the definition of success, the definition of done here. Mm-hmm. So by breaking apart the grant as a team into the stories, then we can say, okay, so how do we think that's going to play out over each of these two-week segments towards our deadline? And we can start to graph. There's a whole bunch of in-the-weeds things here. I'm not talking about estimating our items, et cetera, but mm-hmm. high level. We can then project what does our release plan look like? What do we have to achieve as a velocity as a team in order to meet that goal? We don't want to have any crazy heroic efforts. That's no fun. And so you can see, are we on target? Are we ahead, behind? Gosh, are we going to submit four days ahead of what we thought? What a way! (laughs) Dreaming, dreaming. (laughs) Dreaming big. I love it. So, but the pattern and the so the Scrum framework is part of Agile and the patterns that are there are really helpful for showing what's happening in a big grant application process or in a grant calendar as a whole. And are we on target? Helping to bring the team in to say, hey, I need some help. It's not a solo sport. It's not just about me writing. I need you to do this, this, and this with me so that we can achieve these these milestones, right? I think... Also, you make a very excellent point about grant writing is not a solo sport, if you will. And for so many of us out there, we may be the only person in our organization, at least I was for many years, in charge of writing grants or with the title grant writer. And it seems to me what what Scrum, what you're holding up in this is that it has to be a team effort. And maybe using this framework can help folks who are feeling isolated as grant writers say, actually, yes, I'm an excellent writer or project management specialist or both. But if you don't work with me, it's not getting done on time. So, you know, that's a little hope for folks out there who are in their cubicles wondering how in the world could they make this work? I would concur with that because I'm in the same way, Kimberly, been the lone one. But you're yeah. right. You can't, you know, I needed someone GIS to make maps for me. I needed someone from the police department data center to give me all the data and yep. the tools and all of these things. And so it's it's always going to be a team effort. So and I'm assuming Diane is a consultant, even though you have lots of subcontractors that do writing with you, you're also involving sometimes your client because there's stuff they have to give you. Oh, just every once in a while. (laughs) They're a key part of the grant team. They don't get excluded from that uh, team effort. Mm. We actually, so Scrum talks about T-shaped team members. So if you think about it, right? So ladies, put your arms out in the podcast studio. And if you were on a team for your grant team, right? You might be like, well, this is my specialty. It's the maps, it's the writing, but how can I help you? And what can Mm. I, I've got a little bit of knowledge gosh, the deadline's getting really tight. You know what? I could help you make a PDF packet of those support letters, or I could help do a quick copy edit, even though it's not normally what I do for you. Um, And so whether it's the client that's helping to pitch in in a different Mm -hmm. way or a a writing team member, but the idea of the T-shaped team 
finance can help, HR can help, right? We're all in this together. We have a stake in seeing the grants be successful. And so that is embodying all the teamwork that Scrum's focused on. And so to me, since I love the grant team soapbox and talking about it, mm-hmm. it's a, a perfect match. That also made me think um, on a lighter note, if you're apple shaped or pear shaped, you can still be T shaped in your team. <laughs> what? Perfect. We all fit. We all fit. So speaking of we all fit and moving <laughs> forward, I understand from my brief background in reading and from talking with you and and listening to some webinars that you've done on this very subject, Scrum got its start as software, as a process for software development. That's kind of where it where it grew. But I see it through your lens as moving beyond and having a really great potential for helping nonprofits above and beyond grant seeking, which is important, but maybe as an organization as a whole, as a strategic force as a whole, how do you see nonprofits profiting from using Scrum? Yeah. So, I mean, when you think about software engineering work, et cetera, and why this happens, they're iterating products that are going to help delight their customers, right? And so then if we put that in grant speak, we're iterating drafts that are going to make our grant makers really happy, also known as giving us the grant award and the check. <laughs> Yay! So <laughs> there's our first part of profit for nonprofits. But if you go even bigger than that and you say it's not just about grants, I mean, in my world, everything's about grants, but it's about <laughs> so much more than grants. If we look at nonprofits, right? sitting on uh, boards over the years, when you look at the full mission, how things are getting done, there's always a desire to create more impact faster, both for the benefit of the clients and the organization. There's always a long list of priorities towards the big strategic plan, right? So I believe that and I've seen, we've seen examples of nonprofits that have adopted this. We've seen schools that have adopted this in classrooms in particular over in Europe. It's a way of getting things done in a team-focused environment, but getting it done faster, focusing on as well team happiness and customer happiness, whoever the customer is defined as. So I I really believe that nonprofits that can look at the Scrum framework or uh, related agile principles Mm. can create impact faster, however that's defined for them. Gotcha. Well, and I think too, part of it, is not only, it it sounds amazing. We get to do things faster, right? But I know Kimberly and I have sort of started using Scrum as um, kind of a framework for us getting some stuff done with the podcast. We're like Scrum Scrum light. light. Scrum light. Well, we're slowly getting there. But one of the things for me that's a hard habit to break, I keep wanting to go, okay, this has to be finished by this date. So I start backing up, well, I want this done by this day and this done by this day and this done by this day to be able to get to that end. When in reality, it's more focused on not just what do you have to get done this week or the sprint, whatever time period that is, but how much can you actually get done? And so um, I'm just curious, you know, did that take you a while to kind of reframe your thinking of timing? Oh, I would argue that I am still very much a work in progress. It's my personal estimate, my ability, my belief and what my velocity personally looks like. Those that know and love me might question whether I am realistic about that. (laughs) On the team and business side, right, we measure velocity 
of everything that we do, we estimate it uh, before we even get started with a sprint. And then as you retrospect at the end of the sprint, you can see how did I do as a team? Did we complete more points than we thought we would or fewer? And are we seeing velocity increase? So we've been watching some work change in our marketing and training within the company. And we've been watching our velocity as a team. Team structure hasn't changed. We've mm-hmm. watched our velocity increase. So when you say, well, what can I accomplish in the next two-week sprint, the principle you're supposed to follow is that you're not going and like, whoops, huge outlier. We're going to project this huge increase in velocity unless like you brought somebody new into the team for the whole sprint, right? Mm. It's based on Mm -hmm. your yesterday's weather. So like I said, personally, I am a work in progress. I believe that somehow there's going to magically be extra hours in my day (laughs) (laughs) to like get my run in, to do something extra with the kids. On the business side, the structure helps keep me honest, but uh, yeah, it's hard to say, it's just one more thing on the Google calendar to-do list. I can get that done, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Guilty as charged. So, well, as I've mentioned a time or two previously on the podcast, my love of reading tends to fall more in the fiction kind of entertainment category. But when both Kimberly and Diane suggested that I check out the book Scrum, The Art of Doing Twice the Work in Half the Time by authors Jay Sutherland and his son J.J. Sutherland, I figured I should give it a whirl. Because when smart people that I am impressed by tell me to read something, I've learned I should do that, right? So not only did I learn a lot about this idea for best tackling big projects with groups, but I am going to have to admit, I actually enjoyed the reading of this book, right? What? So it was nonfiction. I you? know. I, to- <laughs> I don't even know who you are uh, anymore. No. I'm t- see, it's I'm growth. Oh. This podcast is causing oh. me to grow. Oh. Anyway, so some real life examples that they gave were fascinating to read about. You know, they talked about different companies. I mean, mm-hmm. even the U.S. government, how they were able to move them along faster. And hello, <laughs> if that is possible, then we can move mountains, right? So um, I even found myself highlighting great quotes and ideas and things like that. And so a favorite quote of mine is this, okay? So the author says, no one should spend their lives on meaningless work. Not only is it not good business, it kills the soul. Great quote, right? So with that in mind, I'm curious, Diane, what do you find most rewarding about the work that you do in the grant world? It's grants. All of it. I love it. Okay. Well, maybe not all the forms and some of the nitty gritty pre-qualification things, but no, really, I love seeing the impact that grants have in communities, right? So the Grant Professionals Association is the one that promotes us all using the hashtag grants work. So showing visually if we can or talking about it out on social media, right? What does it look like? What do grants create in communities? And I think that's why it's seeing that it's seeing it in our own work in my own community even if I don't care if I wrote the grant or not I get so excited when I see someone talking about what they accomplished with a grant it makes my heart just smile and so the idea that um you know, yeah, then the forms, sometimes they're part of the requirements. Sure, we've got to get them done. But to me, um, it's just seeing the impact that the work creates that is the most rewarding and takes away. Yeah, some people would be like, oh, that's forms, not exciting, but to each their own, right? Yeah. Well, and that read leads me to a little off topic, but um, I was oh, just I traveling. Shocked. I know. Don't do that here. Oh. Um, I was just in Buffalo, New York, and um, my husband came with me. I my hometown. Is that really your hometown? I Duh. loved it. Yes. 
I loved Chicken it. Wings until, all the way. <laughs> well, yes, we ate lots of those. Um, we kept, we walked around Elmwood Village and both were like, oh my God, we could live here. But then the, we had to remind ourselves that this was summertime and right. not January and us Southern people might not like it here in January, but, um, nope. yeah. No. yeah. Um, but well, uh, as we're walking around, we stumbled upon this tiny little pocket park in, in a neighborhood. Right. And so it had some flowers and it had a, a one piece of sculpture. Okay. So nothing fancy, but it was just, it's just, those are the touches that make a neighborhood cool. Right. Agreed. And there was a sign there that said this park brought to you. It was a foundation that had given some funding through a grant to make that possible. And of course the grant person in me geeked out, loved it, <laughs> took some pictures, posted, use the hashtag grants work. Right. And it made me realize how many grant projects we've been involved in that. Yeah. We may take pictures and post on social media, but a lot of times we're not putting somewhere on the thing. And I, I mean, I know when it's a program, that's harder to do, but when we are doing infrastructure and permanent things, like I wish we would more often put a little money in there to put some sort of sign to say, you know, grant funding made this happen. So more people would realize the impact it makes on communities. Or we could just make jewelry that we ourselves could wear that says, Hey, funded by grant. <laughs> <laughs> But not necessarily because, as we know, that's not an allowable cost. Yes, that's true. So I'm not insinuating yeah, right. that. But no, yeah, but you were you were in New York State, and New York has, if it's anything related to government funding versus foundation, you're going to see a lot of signs about what was funded by grants, and it is an allowable cost then to pay for said signs. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> some uh, elected officials want to really make sure that you see where your dollars are going. Smart people makes mm-hmm. sense. I also, in an unrelated non sequitur, I know that's shocking for those of you who've listened <laughs> to go. the podcast before. You know, yeah, buckle down a little bit. But I also want to share with our listeners that I had the privilege of video um, conference call with Diane, where she showed me the magnificence of the giant whiteboard in her <laughs> home <laughs> that is all scrum all the time and. Um, it's amazing with all the color-coded post-it notes. So all that to say, I live in a teeny tiny mid-century ranch house and I don't even have a big wall to do all of that. But through talking with Diane and following some of the resources, I found that there are a lot of online ways and apps and other things that you could use to manage the scrum process if you don't have um, a giant I don't even know, six by four whiteboard. As impressive as it is, that may not work for everyone, but my point to all of this is what I'm liking so much about Scrum is that you can adapt the concepts to the reality of your workspace or your work team if they're far flung across the country or they're just right down the hall. Very true. Yeah, each adaptation, right, when you talk to different teams, different businesses, they look different. And it's because it's a framework and it's meant to be put into practice in different business styles, Mm -hmm. different types of teams, remote, different time zones, right? There's a lot of creative ways that you can get around that and still engage the team in meaningful conversation. Which kind of actually does lead me into the next question. So how about sometime broken clock, right? Twice a day. Here we go. Um, Would you uh, talk with us for a minute about how you are using Scrum and incorporating it into training? As you just mentioned, there are different strokes for different folks in terms of implementation. Would you tell us a little bit more about how that training that you're doing and planning to do around Scrum would work? Sure. Thanks. So 
because I'm just so in love with Scrum. Maybe not quite as much as Grant's, right? I mean, that was my first love, but this is like my second love. So, oh, are you cheating on Grant? Well, see, I was just about to say, a mother's uh, love. We all love all our children the same, right? Exa- so. well, that's exactly it, right? You yes. like find extra room in your heart with each child. Because like, yes. my kids will say, "Who do you love more?" No, no, it's not how. Yeah. Now with the puppy, right? You're like, oh, oh, no. there's an extra little spot in my heart for the puppy. Oh, so yeah, there's the, an the extra little spot for Scrum. Everything. The puppy, the puppy is going to rule everything. I just want to let you know that this is a feeling that I have. But I applaud your staunch stand onto equal love for all family members. But that dog is going to run the house. Anyway, I, I did interrupt. Please go ahead. No, but he does run the house. It's true. Um, but so, yes, in thinking about just that I love to help improve capacity building. And so that's why I am willing to, you wouldn't believe that I didn't used to like public speaking. Shocker, right? Well, I'm super so shy. shy, super shy. So the fact that I love to get up as a GPA approved trainer and be like, let's talk about logic models. Let's talk about fill in the blank, grant best practice, right? Now I'm like, cool, let's talk about scrum. And so part of that looks to me beyond grants and scrum, right? That's mm-hmm. where I started the conversation and I've had webinars talking about it and like the in-person GPA conversations at conferences. But now we're saying, how can you be agile as a nonprofit? So bigger than that. So as a project of DH Leonard Consulting, we've got agile and nonprofits. And so we're doing webinars with our different business partners. Um, some have been free. We've got some more premium ones coming out with charity how-to over the course of our curriculum in the next year. So a few different online ways that people can easily from the comfort of their own desk, kind of try Scrum on, try Agile Mm -hmm. on, see what it sounds like. And then we're doing some on-site training um, when organizations in particular are thinking about trying it. it, it Really, it's great if more than one person wants to learn that. So some on-site training for small groups is a great way Mm -hmm. to try and launch a team. You don't have to Scrum the entire organization it's better to start with a, a wave here and then a next wave of more teams. So some on-site work like that. Um, but the reality is that there are amazing trainers, just like GPA has approved trainers and Grant Professional Certification Institute has their CMP approved providers, right? right? There are similar things in the Scrum world. So Scrum Alliance is who I have my certifications through, and they have a list of certified trainers that are out and about providing trainings. The one that I work most closely with is who I actually went to courses with. So Scrum Inc., which is owned by Jeff and JJ Sutherland, the two gentlemen that wrote the book, The Father-Son Team. So they offer, when people get really excited, right, I give them a little webinar or some in-person conversation and they're like, you know what, I love it so much, I want to be certified. The Scrum Inc. certifications are, I love it, love the classes, really productive, but they don't give nonprofit examples. They're giving like Mm -hmm. software examples and engineering examples. So part of why I like to give people basic understanding with this training is so they can see how does this work in nonprofit settings instead of I had to make a lot of leaps and conclusions on my own until I got to know some of the different trainers and start to ask questions and show models and kind of have some more theoretical conversation about it, right? So to me, I think what's great about just sharing it is saying, look, here's what it could look like in your world, right? Bring it right to them. So yeah, 
I know the whole point of that. What's the, probably the biggest thing you took away? What Diane was and is shy. She's not a natural public speaker. <laughs> I know. Crazy. Hey, I, I feel you, my sister introvert. I feel you. Well, but I will <laughs> say, I remember the first time I met Diane was years ago. I was a bunch of us get on a super shuttle to ride from the hotel to lots of different places, right? And so oh, okay. I'm on with Sylvia because we're always traveling together, right? And of course, Sylvia's being her typical talk it up with the driver self. And there's this girl very quietly sitting in the back who just happens to mention, oh, I'm going to the Grant Conference too. Nice to meet you. And that was about it. Um, to, and, that, and that girl became she, the she was, titan. Yes, the Diane Leonard. <laughs> you didn't know, right? I'm like, the, uh. that was the day I was like, I want to be an adopted member of the Grant Professionals Association <laughs> chapter for Georgia. Yes. Like, right? Georgia peeps. Uh, but that was Indianapolis. I'm like, that, that was, was so long ago. But yes, that who knew that that van ride, what it would turn into? Just Beautiful book tell. friendship. Who knew? Mm, exactly. Mm, mm, mm. Exactly. So well, speaking of books, um, one more quote, because you know I'm a lover of those. The author tells us, we've all been told that filling out the form correctly is more important than doing the work. Or that we need to have a meeting to prep for the pre-meeting meeting. Oh. It's madness. And yet we keep on doing it, even in the face of absolute and complete failure. Okay. Kimberly and I have decided or have dedicated a couple of podcasts this season to advocates of change in the philanthropic world. As grant seekers, sometimes it feels like all we're going to do is filling out forms with very limited character counts. Now, as someone who has served on both the grant funder and the grant seeker side of the equation, Diane, do you have any advice to offer on how to communicate with funders to create a better system of funding the needs of communities that we all serve? So I'm going to put you on the spot since you've been on the other side of the <laughs> table. Perfect. Well, so the first thought is, you know, that quote, it's, yes, in our world for grants, filling out the form correctly sort of important or they're going to put you in the immediate no pile, right? That's yep. the easiest decision for them to make. True. But to the point that Jeff Sutherland was making in that quote, it's about the process, not about the documentation. Okay. I get it. And grants are like, but it is about the documentation. It's, document right? it all. <laughs> it's sort of, yeah, it is right. The document becomes the contract becomes the whole thing that you're implementing and reporting on. But if we step back from saying the grant structure, if we think about the funder and the grantee relationship, oh yeah, there are some really unique and we'll say unfortunate imbalances that while there are powerhouses in the community, Vu Lee, right? I mean, with his blog, Nonprofit AF, he's putting it out there saying, um, hey, if we thought about this, let's talk about that. And it makes you laugh, but it's like an uncomfortable laugh. You're like, oh yeah, because that's really, that's what's happening. But the imbalance of grant makers have money, grantees, potential grantees want money, right? So it feels like there's this weird relationship imbalance all the time. But I really believe that grant makers have a really big need for awesome programs that create great impact. And that's what the nonprofits have. So my argument is that there's an, there's two unequal relationships there and they could balance each other out. But I don't think the field is structured that way to have that open of a back and forth conversation and to respect each other in all grant settings the way they should. There are some amazing relationships that exist between funders and uh, grantees, but I, I just think that 
it usually falls to the side of the the money imbalance relationship versus also taking into account and recognizing that imbalance in a good way. Like, what do nonprofits bringing to the table for their grant makers? So, long-winded way to say, do I have the perfect answer to changing the system? Not at all. Wish I did. But <laughs> we wish you did too. Yeah, right? great. All the nonprofits do. I think it's about open dialogue and like grant advisor, great example of open dialogue. And so many things like that have come up in the field in the last just handful of years. I think it's a fantastic thread to hear that that's going to be talked about throughout your podcast season two. Um, And maybe somebody else will have the magic answer by the time you're done this season. Well, and I love that you, Vule, our first two um, episodes this season are is our v- interview with him, and um, we are talking to folks at Grant Advisor, and so it's it's good to hear that we're hopefully getting the right information out to um, grant seekers across the country. In the world, really. Everywhere. Everywhere. In world domination. Universe. Fundraising ah. heyday. Ah. <laughs> it's where we're going. Yes. It's where we're going. So listen, Diane, was there anything that we forgot to ask or hold up that you would like to do at this time? Oh, you give me such a wide open-ended question. I'm like, well, let's see. What could we talk about? <laughs> no. So, you know, I think the one thing of all the questions that I get talking about scrum people are like okay what i'm I'm a single shop just me can i do it like absolutely you can do scrum for one or i'm not a consultant with a team it's about my clients do i need to get them to understand scrum well no just like you might not get them to ever call it a grant team right you can help them embrace patterns of scrum as a way Mm. to gain efficiencies without making them take a scrum class or read the scrum book right so scrum gives us the framework And there's patterns that then we can apply in our work. But I think the biggest thing that is an amazing, regardless of whether you have a big whiteboard in your office or not, making your work visible to yourself and your team is one of my favorite shifts in how we do work. And so whether it's the post-it note app, which is free for your phone and you can share back and forth, Mm -hmm. or if it's Miro, which is a new uh, app that I've just become familiar with or a web version, it is an infinite whiteboard. How do you spell that? Miro, M-I-R-O. Okay. So you might not have the space for a six by four whiteboard, but you do online. It, It truly is infinite. It's so cool and it's searchable brilliant. Um, But I will say the other one fun place you can put post-its. Yes, here, plug for 3M, super sticky (laughs) post-its. They can sponsor season three. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, anytime someone says post-its though, I just immediately go to Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. Uh, (laughs) Sorry. Wow. Wow. Back in time. (laughs) Well, in this case with post-its, you could put them on your window in your office or on your door, right? It doesn't matter where you make your refrigerator. (laughs) Refrigerator's a great, hey, we might have our chore charts related to the family on the fridge. Just saying. Of course you do. Of Of course course you do. So making it visible, your work visible is the other thing that holds you accountable. Oh, I want to do this off my Google to-do list, but that doesn't in any way help me move a story for this sprint forward. Perhaps I should do that tomorrow instead. Keeps you honest. Okay. That's okay. good. Cause I don't know about you. I like working on the podcast. I want to do that first, even though things <laughs> aren't necessarily 
important this time this week when it comes to the podcast. So yeah, I feel you. Keeping keeping you honest would be keeping helpful th- tool. Well, Diane, thank you so much for joining us today. It sounds like you have created a very successful model in the grant consulting world, and it sounds like Scrum had a large role to play in that. We really appreciate you sharing your insights with the rest of us and putting up with our goofiness here at Fundraising Hayden. <laughs> oh, so happy to be here and be a part of it. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Thank you. Yes, thanks so much for today's interview and your continued support of Fundraising Heyday. Thank you again to our Season 2 sponsor, D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. We appreciate their support in making grants less stressful. Visit their website, www.dhleonardconsulting.com, to learn more. Okay, all y'all, remember, there is no specific college degree in grant writing or fundraising, but there are a lot of good people with experience to share, training programs, and other ways to learn. And we'd love for this podcast to be one of your favorite ways to learn. So stay tuned for upcoming episodes this season, including our next topic, surviving the results of an OIG audit your first day on the job. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) It's a true story told firsthand by yours truly. Mm. You don't want to miss it. Mm -mm. Until then, our friends. Bye. Bye.